What's up, everybody? We've got playoff expansion talk, more conference realignment news, and college football is just freaking weird, but it's awesome. So let's get into it. What is going on, everybody? Well, I am finally back in Florida. Been traveling the last three weeks, like I said, working on the West Coast, working IndyCar races. And it's nice to be back in my home recording this podcast in my office as opposed to in living rooms and hotel rooms. And I can proudly say that this will be the last week of doing just one show per week and getting it out late. Typically, I want to get a show out Monday morning and then maybe do another one on Wednesday, right? Like Monday will be recapping the week, talking big picture for this season, and maybe Wednesdays will be big picture stuff for um, the sport as a whole. Today's going to be kind of a combination. We're going to talk about the season, and then we're going to get into a little bit of the expanded playoff talk, conference expansion, because I have yet to talk about kind of the news that came out of the Big 12, accepting you know the four new teams and all that. So a lot to talk about today, but um, expect going forward to have more consistency. Like, like I said early on, those these last three weeks were just going to be rough for me, finishing up some of the other work that I was doing. But I grinded, you know, I cut it out for you guys as best as I could. Um, another announcement for those of you that don't know yet the Instagram page that we started, College Football Classics, where I'm constantly uploading one-minute highlights of old games and keeping them relative to the week slate that's coming up. So this week I've been posting some of the old Alabama Ole Miss games, Oregon Stanford games. Um, Later today we'll be throwing up the 2010 Nevada-Boise State game since they are playing this week. LSU-Auburn, some great games in that series have been played throughout history, so we're posting those. And, you know, a lot of randoms too, and we're going to keep posting that. We're almost to 1,000 followers after only about a month of having the page running. It's it's not necessarily connected to the podcast, it's just an independent page, but if you're a fan like me who loves the sport, loves reliving epic moments from the sport, it, it's probably really fun. So go ahead and give that a follow, um, comment on it, you can DM that page for requests. And then when it comes to the show, like I said, email the show, let's talk college football at gmail.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the YouTube channel where we cut, you know, smaller segments from each episode. You can listen to them that way. And eventually the goal is to get this to be a video show. Not entirely sure if that's gonna happen this season, but as we continue to grow going forward, that is the goal. And then we'll start doing more collaborations with other podcast hosts, other YouTube channel hosts, you know, we're trying to be both a podcast and a show and eventually it might become, you know, 
two separate things. So there might still be an audio podcast that's coming out every couple days, um, a longer form video show, whether guests are coming on via you know Skype, Zoom, whatever, or having people in house. But that is the eventual plan. So appreciate everyone that's been you know listening, sticking with us. Can't really grow without the help of an audience because <laughs> there's got to be somebody to listen to what we're what I'm producing here. So thank you to everyone that's been supportive. Anyway, let's get into something. Now, the first thing I just want to talk about is college football is weird. And it's one of the reasons we love the sport. And all sports are a little weird. I would say football is the most weird. And what I mean by weird is unpredictable, unexpected things happen, right? Now, the NFL is weird because there's so much parody. You never really know what's going on. For example... This last weekend, right, you had Tampa Bay defending Super Bowl champs, you know, loaded roster, going and playing the Rams, who we all know the Rams are a good team. The Rams pretty much dominated that game, and maybe that was a little surprising, right? But you get that happening in the NFL. Same thing with, uh, you know, the Raiders. They're they're 3-0. Some people didn't expect that, but they still got a really big fight from the Miami Dolphins, who were without Tua. And they had to come back and win that game. So the NFL is really this league where anybody can beat anybody, except maybe, you know, the Giants and the Jets. But, you know, that that goes without saying. And I'm only bringing up the NFL because it's a sports league. And like all sports leagues, they don't really work without a structure. And that'll come up again when I talk about playoff expansion here in a little bit. But keeping it in college... Right, I talked early in the season after week one, kind of the takeaway was, okay, here we go again. It's Alabama and everybody else. It's not really close. And then as you know, weeks two and three kind of came about, you're like, okay, it only seems like that's even more the case. Not necessarily because Alabama continued its dominance, even though they have, but it just looked like all the other teams you expected to be up there with Alabama, like you know, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, they had flaws, right? Ohio State lost to Oregon, and they just looked like they had some problems on defense, some things that were getting exposed. Georgia has looked a lot better lately. Their offense seems to be rolling, but it's not against, you know, any good competition. When they played Clemson, they did not score an offensive touchdown. And now that Clemson's lost again and has yet to put together any game with a real offensive production you're really starting to wonder, okay, dang, is Alabama that far ahead? And then I talked last week how, you know, the Florida game happened. And and we don't know how good Florida is. It's hard to judge. They're well coached. Obviously, they have some great players. They don't have a great quarterback, though. They have some great guys on the offensive and defensive line. And it kind of seemed like they gave Alabama a run for their money. Of course, Alabama still won. But Alabama got off to an early lead in that game, as I talked about last week, where Florida looked like, you know, they kind of stuttered out of the gate. They were nervous. They did the whole, we're playing Alabama thing, and they quickly got down 21-3. But they ended up only losing that game like 31-29, to and they kind of dominated the last three quarters. And to me, that was really interesting. Obviously, last week, you know, I barely got that show out, and it was a shorter one. But I basically said, hey, is the landscape changing? Do we have an opportunity for an epic college football season? And for me, an epic college football season doesn't necessarily mean that an Alabama 
doesn't end up in the national championship game. There's nothing wrong with that. But we'd like to have some mystery and some drawing. Is Alabama going to lose a game and then have to fight their way back in? Are we going to have chaos and controversy at the end of the year when it comes to selecting the playoff teams? And we've never really had true, true, true controversy, I would argue. There's been some years, right? 2016 was interesting with the whole Penn State two-loss thing and Ohio State getting in. But probably 2014 was the most interesting year because you really felt like all four teams had a legitimate shot at winning the title going into the playoff. And so did the two teams that got left out that year, which was TCU and Baylor, right? Where the Big 12 didn't get a team in. They didn't have a conference championship game. And then undefeated Florida State goes down to Oregon. And Ohio State, who was the four seed, you know, has a great game, beats Alabama, and the four seed gets to the national championship game and then wins the national championship game. So it was a perfect way to start the playoff era because you had a title game that featured two teams that would not have been there in the BCS system, which had been taking place for, you know, a good 13 years prior to that, right? The BCS would have undoubtedly had undefeated Florida State as defending national champions, probably being ranked one or two against Alabama, most likely, who was probably going to be the highest ranked one-loss team. When the playoff came out, Alabama got the one seed. They gave Oregon the two seed as a one-loss team. Undefeated Florida State gets in as a three seed. They play Oregon, and the rest is history, right? And there's been some controversy, but Nothing that's been too crazy because in some of the years where we've debated who should be maybe number four, where you have the debate between four and five, you never really feel like they get one and two wrong. And we've yet to have a year where I where the best team didn't get to the championship and or win the championship. To me, the biggest controversy was in 2016, I really think Penn State deserved to go in over Ohio State, but they had two losses, and the committee basically set a precedence then that that's the way it was going to be, which then, you know, the next year when Alabama was that one-loss team, they couldn't put the two-loss Ohio State team that I almost think kind of deserved it more than Bama in that, in that same instance. So that's kind of where we are and what happened. Bringing it back to this season— you know, Alabama, like I said last week, like they're starting to look beatable. They're still absolutely elite. And I think as of now, I still have them a tier above pretty much anyone else. I keep seeing this, there's Alabama, there's Georgia, and there's everybody else. I think there's Alabama and everybody else. And maybe you can have Georgia slightly up there. But as Clemson continues to struggle, you do start to scratch your head more about that Clemson-Georgia game. But at the same time, it was week one. And week one is when everybody is pretty much at their worst, their sloppiest. Also, Alabama's crazy dominant win over Miami, which wasn't, I mean, it was impressive, but it wasn't, to me, the most impressive thing ever because that's just what Alabama does. But given how Miami hasn't been able to bounce back and they just don't look good, you know, maybe that wasn't as big of a win for Alabama as we thought. And then you're sitting here like, well, how good is Florida? Is Florida what we thought they were? In which case, Alabama looks more human. They look more <laughs> like a team that could be beaten. Um, or is Florida playing a lot better than we thought? In which case, they might be the best team in the East of the SEC, which is going to make the Georgia game super interesting. And last week, I talked about kind of why the reason is I think we're seeing more parity Right, you know, to sum it up, it's basically the idea that 
The elite teams, the Alabamas, Georgias, Oklahomas, Ohio States, they had all the turnover that they're used to having. And yes, they're replacing them with elite players. But across the board, right, 90% of teams have these loaded rosters with very experienced players. You got the COVID fifth-year, sixth-year seniors. You got the new redshirt rule that's been in effect for a few years now. So these developmental type of programs, right, the Iowas, the the Kansas States of the world, Boston College, Wake Forest, these teams are very, very experienced. And sometimes that is an advantage over just pure talent if that pure talent is young and inexperienced. And college football is all about, you know, your head and how you respond to adversity. And the reality is, is a lot of these young kids do not respond to it well. Alabama always seems to respond better than most because they have the best coach who has so much experience, he knows how to get people ready. But regardless, we're sitting here today looking at a top five, a top 10, a top 25 really, that is so intriguing, right? So Alabama's still number one. They got 58% of the first place votes. Georgia is sitting right behind them at number two. Oregon at three, Penn State at four, Iowa at five, which is interesting that we have two Big 10 teams ahead of Ohio State, who's all the way down at 11, right? Oklahoma still undefeated, but looking a little slop, not sloppy. They're, they're struggling on offense to get rolling. Cincinnati, number seven. Arkansas, what a surprise they've been. They're sitting there at number eight. They're undefeated. They just beat Texas A&M. They beat Texas, and that Texas win is starting to look very impressive because I think what simply happened in that game is Texas opened the season with a ranked Louisiana team that they knew they had to take seriously. They took them seriously. They beat them. It's a decent Louisiana team, right? And when you respect them, you take care of them if you're a team as talented as Texas. They don't expect Arkansas to be that good because Arkansas has been pretty bad the last three years. They got a little better last year, but before Sam Pittman took over, I mean, this is a bottom of the SEC team that just isn't good. And now they're number eight in the country, undefeated, dominating win over Texas, and they just beat Texas A&M who was also a ranked team. Texas A&M falls to number 15. They're 3-1. and one. They're one of the more disappointing teams to me so far this season. I know Haynes King, the starting quarterback, is out. But even when he was healthy, this offense didn't look like it was clicking. They're running the ball well, but they're just not executing plays in the passing game deep down the field, which is the step I thought they needed to take if they were going to finally play with Alabama this year. Now, Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. You know he's got stuff dialed up for all the different opponents and different games he's going to play, but I just don't know where we stand with that. We'll find out in a couple weeks. The interesting thing is, is a lot of these schedules for some of these SEC teams just got a lot more interesting because if you are Alabama, right, Let, let's go to Alabama, their schedule, this week they play Ole Miss, who's been another very surprising team. When Ole Miss beat Louisville, I talked about the SEC-ACC comparison type stuff, and I said, you know, this is a really bad look for the ACC compared to, you know, I didn't care that Miami lost, I didn't care that Florida State lost, but I thought the Ole Miss-Louisville game was telling because I considered both of them to be middle of the pack of their conferences, and Ole Miss dominated Louisville. Well, it's looking that Ole Miss might actually be more upper tier of the SEC and upper tier of the country than we thought. They're currently ranked 12th. 
Uh, their quarterback, Matt Crowell, he's playing phenomenal. He's most people's Heisman favorite at this point. This offense is flying high. And more importantly than that, because the offense was doing pretty good at Ole Miss last year under Kiffin, the defense has had a massive turnaround. I don't know if you could call them elite yet, but let's remember last year. Last year, Ole Miss and Alabama play. And I know last year is the weird year. And me, of all people, I don't really count last year as anything that I mark as, as notable with the COVID stuff. But... I remember it was fairly early in the season Alabama and Ole Miss played, and it was pretty much a shootout. Alabama kind of had like a 10-point lead, because, but basically it was like they were one and a half possessions ahead of Ole Miss, and it kind of just stayed that way. But they couldn't stop Ole Miss from scoring. This year, Ole Miss defense has gone to a point where I at least expect this game to be interesting. And if you're Alabama, look at this stretch of games you have. They have Ole Miss, Texas A&M on the road, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU, then they do have their break. They got New Mexico State at home, but then they play Arkansas and then Auburn. And it's not that a lot of those teams are like, oh, they could beat Alabama, right? Maybe you, you would only pick Ole Miss, you know, so far as a team that you're like, I think they are capable of beating Alabama. And Alabama will be favored in all these games, but that's a hard stretch. Playing Ole Miss, grinding out that game, then going to Texas A&M, who's been waiting for you all year. Mississippi State, okay, whatever, Tennessee. It's not that Mississippi State and Tennessee are hard, but that four-game stretch before going to LSU. Now, LSU might have another loss or two by then, but LSU still has players that can beat you. LSU still hates you. It's a grind. Injuries happen. College football is crazy, right? Okay, New Mexico State. And then finishing the year with... Arkansas is no longer a warm-up game for Auburn. Arkansas might, you know, be an 8-1, 9-1, 8-2 team by the time that game gets played. And they're they're a physical team. This is not a team that's kind of, you know, aerating it out. They're kind of the opposite of Ole Miss in the comeback, where Ole Miss has had a high-flying offense, which has allowed them to get back to a great level of, of play on the field, where Arkansas is, you know, dominating lines of scrimmage. And they're still explosive, but... That's kind of what's impressive about them. And then, you know, Alabama finishes with Auburn. So to me, it's very, very likely that Alabama is going to finish the season with a loss at least once, which doesn't really destroy any of their hopes or dreams of making the playoff. But if you want true, true chaos, you want to have as little undefeated teams as possible. Now, I don't want a bunch of two, three, four loss teams, right? You know, you can kind of go the other way on that. But... I want the SEC championship game to be played between two teams with one loss. I want them to eliminate each other. To me, it's very boring when you enter a scenario where, you know, let's say Alabama or Georgia, this could go both ways, goes into that SEC championship game undefeated. And then I don't necessarily agree with this, but all the ESPN guys, all of the big talking heads basically say, well, they have a lock. Even if they lose this game, their resume will still be better, which I don't know if that's true because I think depending on what's going to happen in the rest of the country, I think a one-loss conference champion will always make the playoff over a one-loss non-conference champion. It essentially is a tiebreaker. Regardless of you playing the SEC and we think your competition was better, I don't think you can lock yourself in the playoff as a 12-1 team if there's other conference champions out there or an undefeated Notre Dame out there or even an undefeated Cincinnati, there's just a lot at stake here. So you look at a team like Oregon, right? We go out to the Pac-12. They have beaten 
a big non-conference opponent. And even if Ohio State drops another game or two, that's a great win for Oregon. They've kind of given themselves that mulligan where they could lose the a game in the Pac-12. They could mess up against you know UCLA or somebody going forward, maybe Stanford this week, right? That game's always been interesting, even when Oregon's supposed to be the favorite, so keep an eye on that one. But as long as they get to the conference championship game with one loss or less— they win, there's a huge chance they're in, right? Technically, you can't say go undefeated and you're in because there's only four spots and we have five conferences, power conferences, plus an order Dame, plus the interesting things the group of five teams can do. So there's no such thing in college football as a lock because we could have five undefeated teams, six undefeated teams, right? There could be an undefeated SEC champ, ACC champ, not this year, but Big Ten champ, Big 12 champ, Pac-12 champ. So, you know... Technically, even the ACC isn't out of this thing because while Clemson is certainly out of this thing with two losses, you can't imagine a world where they get back in without just the craziest type of chaos we've ever seen. But, you know, Boston College, Wake Forest are still undefeated. Now, if you're betting, you're not betting them to finish the season undefeated and to make the playoff, but technically they have that in front of them. You know, if one of those teams ran the table or even finished as a 12-1 and conference champion— I mean, anything's possible. And then the Big Ten is very interesting to me because, you know, you got Penn State. I really like Penn State. And Penn State does play Iowa. It's going to be Iowa's probably toughest game left because, you know, the West isn't as strong as the East in the Big Ten. Iowa basically has two huge games left. They've got Penn State. They've got Wisconsin. And even though Wisconsin already has two losses and maybe will even have a third after they drop to Michigan this week, potentially, Wisconsin's a hard team to beat. And the thing about Iowa is they're the type of team that, you know, they're, they're playing well, they're good, they're respectable, great on defense, they got great guys on both lines of scrimmage, but the style of football they play and the overall talent level there, you know, and by talent level, I mean it's not as elite as some of these top-tier teams. They don't get the guys that Ohio State gets or Georgia gets, you know, or Clemson gets. They're very developmental of their players, and they do a great job. You know, Kirk Ferentz, phenomenal coach. But it does mean that if they don't play their A game, they can be upset by most teams, right? You look at Iowa's schedule, and yeah, based on how they're playing right now and where you think the other teams are, okay, you say Maryland's a win, Purdue's a win, Northwestern's a win, probably Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska, the tough games are Penn State and Wisconsin. But, you know, you could easily see a scenario where Iowa does beat Penn State, does beat Wisconsin, but does drop a weird game to a Minnesota, Nebraska to end the year because that's just the type of roster they have. They've got to stay on their A game. But either way, the Big Ten is shaping up to have a really good race because Michigan's still sitting out there undefeated. They play Wisconsin this week. Michigan State is undefeated. They're now ranked number 17. Now, of course, all of the East teams have to play each other. We're going to see Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, all those matchups we're going to see. And it'd be very interesting if, if those teams can beat each other in ways where you know, we don't want Wisconsin to happen to these teams. Like, Wisconsin is still a good team, but, you know, they might lose four games. They might lose to every really good team they play, right? They lost to, to Penn State, a close game. That game could have gone either way. 
the score of the Notre Dame game looks like Notre Dame blew Wisconsin out, but Wisconsin actually won a lot of metrics in that game and just found you know ways to lose late. Wisconsin does not have very good quarterback play, which is preventing them from running the ball the way that they want to because they're so one-dimensional. And they might lose a close Big Ten type of defensive run battle to Michigan this week. They're still always going to be a tough team to play. And you'd have to imagine they're going to get somebody. It could be Michigan. It could be Iowa. You have to watch out for them no matter what. And with the two losses, you know, they're probably out of playoff contention. But they do have their hopes alive for the conference. You know, they beat Iowa. They win Big Ten games. They're going to, you know, take first place place in the West Division. So the Big Ten is super interesting. What I want to see, what, what I think is the most interesting, is we get some sort of Big Ten championship game that features a one-loss team from the West and or a one-loss team from the East. At, at the very least, two ranked teams. You know, even if one of the teams is 10-2, and two, it provides, you know, really good opportunity. The more we can get the conference championship games to be de facto playoff games, to, to me, that's that's better. So I'm really, really interested, right? And like, like same thing I said with Oregon out in the Pac-12, and even in the Big 12, right? So Texas has that loss. At the time, it looked really disastrous for Texas, but the better Arkansas gets, the more you look at that game as like, hey, and, and results matter, and you have to give teams credit for doing what they've done, but now that that game's over and we're a couple weeks later, if Texas and Arkansas played again on a neutral, neutral field in a few weeks, I think we can all agree that that game is probably much closer. Now, again, it doesn't take away from what happened. The reality is, is Arkansas beat down on Texas, and that's what's on their resume, and that's what both teams are going to have to deal with, positively for Arkansas and negatively for Texas. But I think Texas has bounced back from that. They've learned their lesson. And with Iowa State just not looking up to the par we thought, I think the three main teams in the Big 12 – Right? It's it's a classic Big 12 this year. We got Oklahoma, Texas, and probably Oklahoma State. You know, Baylor's undefeated, but it's one of those things where they haven't played anybody yet. We'll see. The nice thing about the Big 12 is everybody plays everybody. And regardless of how it shakes out, I'm just hoping that you get a healthy combination of teams kind of beating up on each other, but nobody getting beat down too bad. So you have these elite conference races to end the year. And then, you know, Notre Dame gets interesting because, I mean, if you're Cincinnati, you are stoked that Notre Dame won. They are now top 10 going into this Cincinnati game. I'm super excited for this game, by the way. Cincinnati's going to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has just, you know, roughed their way through all the games. Florida State early on, that's looking sketchy because Florida State is just looking awful. We thought that was Florida State playing up to Notre Dame's level. The more time goes by, it's looking like it might actually have been the opposite, right? They barely get by Toledo. You know, they hang on. They beat Purdue. They beat Wisconsin. Now they got Cincinnati. And then after that, they got Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina. They play Navy, who's not good, right? Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. So their schedule is not quite as tough as you might have thought preseason, but there's still something to a long, long stretch of pretty much all Power 5 teams right and one of the group of five teams there they played is cincinnati who who's really good right so their only real break you could say is maybe navy who who looks pretty bad so far and yeah north carolina is not what we thought they were going to be usc fired their coach and just lost to oregon state but 
when you play all these games in a row, it's the same thing I was saying for Alabama, anything can happen. And Notre Dame doesn't look like a team that just blows people out of the water. So just kind of like what I said about Iowa, Notre Dame's in the same position. So we'll see how these teams play. The whole point is, I hope we're shaping up to have a very interesting, very intense college football playoff run race where we don't know who's getting in. We can debate all different which ways, right? You know, I'm not here to root for or against any particular team. Maybe it sounds like, you know, I'm, I can't wait for Alabama to lose. And that has nothing to do with Alabama themselves, you know, best program in the country by far, you know, best program in the last decade, best coach of all time. But yeah, would I be excited if Ole Miss beat Alabama? Absolutely, just because, you know, I'm a fan of chaos. I'm a fan of interesting things. And if Alabama did lose, they'd probably get back in, right? I think the last game I posted on that College Football Classics Instagram page was the 2015 Alabama Ole Miss game. And Alabama still won the national championship that year because they're Alabama. And even though they dropped that Ole Miss game, Ole Miss went and dropped more than one game after that. So they couldn't win the division. Same with the year before. Ole Miss was really good in 2014. They did beat Alabama, but Alabama won the division. Because if you're Ole Miss, you got all those other teams you got to go play, right? They got to play Arkansas. They got to play Auburn. They got to play LSU. They got to play Texas A&M. That's just a, such a tough division, by far the toughest division in college football. And I think the Big Ten West is, is, is right up there with it. So we're just, we're shaping up for what's going to be an awesome season. You know, I don't think it's going to get all 2007 on us, but I think we could be shaping up for some really interesting stuff. Alabama... And we're really going to find out this week. That's why I, I'm more excited this week for an Alabama game than I've ever been before. Is Nick Saban going to dominate coaching against Lane Kiffin? Or is Lane Kiffin finally at a level where he can go in and play with Bama? Because it's not just about having the players. It's about having the right scheme on so many levels. Because Saban is always miles ahead. You think you're one step ahead of him? He's miles ahead of you. So... Is there parity in the coaching department enough to keep Ole Miss in that game? I think talent-wise, you know, Ole Miss has guys that can play with Alabama this year. You know, they're more experienced than Alabama, and I think that plays a huge role. But Alabama players are great too, as they always are. But the, I'm, I'm very excited for this game because if Alabama loses, to me, we're really at a point where the slate looks wide wide open because if you look at the top 10 right now and you just and you don't look at Alabama you're like wow that is really interesting if George if Alabama didn't exist right now they were on probation or something and Georgia was one and you make your way down and then you got Oregon Penn State Iowa Oklahoma Cincy Arkansas Notre Dame Florida Ohio State Ole Miss right BYU is out there interesting BYU is also independent but you got to treat them like Notre Dame this year they're not playing some American or some normal group of five schedule they've already beaten three pac 12 teams they play usc later the majority of their games against are against power five teams i'm not sure exactly where they line up strength the schedule but an undefeated byu team i don't think you're going to be able to make the argument to leave them out you would need some serious resume boosting to to get in above them and i think if you're a one loss team there's a good chance you would have to take an undefeated BYU. So they're now becoming a factor in this whole thing. We don't know how good some of their wins are going to look. Arizona State could still be one of the better teams in the Pac-12 South. Let's say Arizona State makes the Pac-12 championship game at one or two losses. 
Well, that looks even better for BYU. Utah could still play decent here. So there's so much crazy stuff at stake. And that's what I'm saying, where if Alabama were to lose this week or one of these upcoming weeks and not be number one, because that's the thing that prevents you from going full-blown crazy on, wow, look at this top 10. It's so incredible. It's so, there's so much at stake. Because Alabama is still sitting up there number one, undefeated, with 90-something percent of the first-place votes, and you're just like, they're Alabama, right? Even if Alabama does lose, it's, like, kind of cool that week. But, you know, usually four weeks later, they're doing what they need to do to bounce back, and the teams that have beaten them are now getting upset and not doing what they need to do to hold their spots. So you end up in, in that situation. But as we sit here today, I'm kind of looking at it that way, and... I am absolutely stoked for this week's slate of games, right? You've got Georgia and Arkansas. There's another one that's super interesting because Georgia, while they're awesome and, and a lot of people have them in an Alabama tier, because they've yet to win that title yet, because they always find a way to lose that biggest game, right? I mean, yeah, in 2017, it was just the national championship, but they did drop a weird game that year. I think it was, right, they lost to Auburn in the regular season and they lost kind of bad. They bounce back. They beat them in the SEC championship game. But and then 2018, they have the they get beat pretty bad against LSU, which prevented them from going to the SEC championship game undefeated. And then they lose another heartbreaker at Alabama. So we're sitting here. Georgia, they're great, but beatable. It's Alabama has changed the scale. If you go back to before the Alabama dynasty, right? Go back to the days where USC was kind of that team to beat. And you just knew that every team, every top five level team was going to have that one weird loss that, you know, that year, which back when we had the BCS era and only two teams made the championship game, that made things even more crazy, interesting, right? There was always teams that were getting up to number one, number two, then something weird would happen, right? Go back to 2006, you had West Virginia and Louisville in the Big East, looking really good. Louisville got up to number three. They lose to Rutgers, though. And I think that was their only loss of the season, but that prevented them from ever getting back in the top two to make the BCS championship game. And, of course, that was the year we had, you know, the whole Ohio State-Michigan thing, and Florida ends up winning the national title, kind of coming out of nowhere because there was so much hype on Ohio State-Michigan. And when you look at a year like 2006, Ohio State, Florida, Michigan, USC, maybe throw Louisville in the mix. All five of those teams finished with the same regular season record. I think USC might have had the two losses. They got upset by LSU at the end of the year. Or, sorry, UCLA. But I'm hoping we're getting back to that level because as Alabama has been in the sport and then Clemson trying to catch them, we spent the last half of the last decade kind of where this Alabama-Clemson thing and Ohio State chasing and, and now Ohio State's kind of caught Clemson and kind of replace them, but it, it sort of feels like the same thing. Well, Clemson, at least this season, is out, right? And I don't buy into the whole their dynasty's over. That's a huge overreaction, right? If you, Like I said, if you zoom out and get outside of this recent Alabama dynasty era, great teams that are on dynasty runs have years where they drop two to three games. They could easily bounce back, right? Clemson was really good in 2011, 2012, and 2013, 14, they kind of took a step back. That was Deshaun Watson's freshman year. They lose to Florida State. You know, they lose to a good ACC Georgia Tech team. But then all of a sudden, they go on their crazy run. You know, 15, 16. 
playing for national championship games with Sean Watson. Um, they make the playoff again, Bryant Kelly, right? Then Trevor Lawrence, they have their run with him. They play in two more title games, winning one of them. So Clemson's not out in the long term. They still recruit great players. They've got some problems this year. But long term, I'm not counting Clemson out at all. But, and I'm ranting a little bit here, but the point is, is we've got a great slate of games. And this is one of those weeks where we're finally in like, a, okay, you're going to learn a lot this week. The beginning of September is you're getting great games, you're getting great football, but you're never quite sure what you're looking at because you just don't have the sample size. We're finally at a point where we've got a great slate of games, right? Georgia, Arkansas, Michigan, Wisconsin. Wake Forest, Louisville is decent to find out about that battle. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Alabama, Old Miss, Oregon, Stanford, Oklahoma State, Baylor, two ranked Big 12 teams. Auburn, LSU, what's going on there? UCLA, Arizona State, your late Pac-12 game. So we're going to learn a lot based on the results where you haven't really been able to say that in some of the weeks prior because you just don't have the sample size. We didn't learn what we thought we learned from Arkansas, Texas. When Arkansas beat Texas, we thought, okay, Texas is not back at all. They're same old Texas. And, oh, that's good for Arkansas. Cool. Now we realize we're at a place where Texas is on the right track. They had a bad game against Arkansas, and Arkansas is way ahead of schedule, and Sam Pittman's doing a great job there, and that Arkansas team is dangerous. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't think Arkansas goes undefeated, especially because they're in a really tough division, a really tough conference, but they're a good football team, and I think Texas is also a good football team. Texas to me, is kind of the favorite in the Big 12 just because of the style they play. Texas has some guys up front. Oklahoma isn't the offense they used to be, but their defense is a lot better than I've seen them in the last five years. So it's just, it's really interesting. I'm really excited for it. You know, after having COVID last year and basically not having a season, I'm really excited for this. And I hope that the season shakes out in just a really interesting way. And it might still end up being Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State back in the playoffs somehow. But if that happens, at least we got all this mystery, right? Ohio State is not just boat racing their way through the Big Ten. Ohio State's got some serious problems right now. They lost to Oregon. They didn't look good. They've obviously got team issues. Of course, everybody's talking about the guy who quit in the middle of the game. They're dealing with some interesting problems there, and they've got to work that out. And the Big Ten is going to be tough this year. Does Michigan finally beat Ohio State this year? Who knows? You know, it's going to be really fun and really interesting. And especially if Alabama drops a game. So I'm kind of rooting for chaos. Mostly I'm just rooting for awesome college football. And it looks like so far we're, we're kind of getting that. So I'm really excited about that. Anyway, I now want to segue into big picture long term. And that is playoff expansion and conference expansion and or realignment. Now, it was a couple weeks ago, the Big 12 announced, you know, they're taking four new teams. I believe it was BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. Okay. And I'm just astonished at how many people, fans, right? I'm all over different fan pages. I'm always trying to interact with people, whether it's on my podcast, the YouTube channel, this new Instagram page. And I see people posting, you know, their, their content. You know, I follow a lot of college football, you know, fan pages that post, you know, different infographics and different things. A lot of talent out there, by the way. Some really great pages. But, oh, this, you know, Big 12 this. And, 
you know, kind of acting like, oh, everything's fine. Isn't this cool? The Big 12 has these teams now. And I just think a lot of people aren't living in reality because I still stand by what I said, you know, earlier in the year when all this conference realignment news broke. And guys, the Big 12 is done. As a Power 5 conference, there isn't a Power 5 anymore. And people get all on me. They're like, what are you talking about? They basically say, pretend the Big 12 is those brand new teams and Texas and Oklahoma were already out. They're like, the Big 12 as it stands now with without Texas, Oklahoma, but adding BYU, Cincy, Houston, UCF, blah, blah, they're actually better than the, the Pac-12 right now. They're better than the ACC right now and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, guys, that doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter that today those teams are kind of good. you got to think long term the reason most of the big 12 is is decent the reason they recruit high level players is because of the top of the conference and who was in there texas and oklahoma why do you go to texas tech because maybe you weren't quite good enough you didn't get recruited by texas or oklahoma but you get to play against them you get to take road trips to norman you get to go to austin you get to play against some of those teams what does the Big 12 have to offer? What is the best venue you can sell to a kid they're going to go play in? Oklahoma State and Stillwater? Stillwater is a great place. They have great football there. But Stillwater is a lot better when they're like the third or fourth best team in your conference from a brand perspective, not the first. I'm sorry, UCF, BYU, they just don't bring the money and the draw that... Texas and Oklahoma. There was no move the Big 12 could make that could even come close to replacing Texas and Oklahoma. And when you take out Texas and Oklahoma, I talked about this a month ago, when you take out Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12, the Big 12 recruits at a group of five level. They're right there with the American. You know, they're, they're pretty even with them. Same thing could be said about the Pac-12 if you got rid of Oregon and USC. That would be, you know, it's the same type of argument. And yeah, the ACC's down and FSU is trash this year and Miami still hasn't been able to get it together and Clemson's already lost two games. It doesn't matter though. Florida State, Miami, Clemson, Virginia Tech, like those brands carry weight. And Clemson isn't going anywhere anytime soon just because they're having a, a down year. They're still elite. So... That's why you're seeing these delays, I think, with the college football playoff expansion talk, okay? And I think you're going to continue to see some delays because people are not on the same page. Let's, let's be honest, guys. If you're a true college football fan and you like the old way, but you're open to the idea of expansion and changing the formula, as I am, Eight teams is the perfect scenario. There really isn't anything better than that. I know a lot of people are huge fans of 12 and 16, but once you go to 12 and, God forbid, 16, you've now butchered the regular season so much that it kind of becomes like the NFL, too much, which isn't what we want, right? Yeah, we don't necessarily need it to be like, hey, you lose one game and your chances at going to the national championship are ruined, but we don't need it to be where you lose one game and it literally doesn't matter at all either. Like I said, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And I've always been, ever since they were terrible. Um, 
I'm not some bandwagon because of Brady and all them, right? But I'm watching the Rams game on Sunday, and I want the Bucks to win. And it starts to get obvious, you know, that the Bucks are going to lose, and, and the Rams are good. But I come out of that game, and, like, I'm not worried. I don't care. Okay, they lost the Rams. The Rams kind of beat them down. And it doesn't matter because if the Bucks are good, they'll they'll bounce back. Oh, maybe we end up in the wild card again and still have a chance for a great Super Bowl run. And I don't want college football to get there. I don't want to watch Alabama Ole Miss this weekend. And, oh, Ole Miss kind of got the better of Alabama. Whatever. Cool game. They're both going to be in the playoff later. Like, that's not what makes college football great. The regular season is a sort of a playoff. I was actually not a fan of going to the four-team format. I was... I was okay with it, kind of, and when they finally settled in, you know, you just have to accept things and roll with it. But ESPN and the playoff committees and the people that are involved in making that happen, they realized the mistake they made. They did not think that going from two to four was going to ruin the rest of the bowl games, and it absolutely did, okay? In the BCS era, there was one championship game, and if you didn't make it because it felt like everything had to go right in your way to make it to that game. If you didn't make that game, but you made the Orange Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, you still felt like you had a great season and we saw great matchups in those games. The longer and longer the playoff era has gone on, the more we're seeing people just not give a crap about those other games. And I'm talking players with opt-outs and even fans a little bit, right? If you wanted to make the the playoff and instead you ended up in the Sugar Bowl, it's like you don't care. In the BCS era, if you wanted to make the the national championship game, but you didn't, you still cared a lot about going to the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl or whatever. And honestly, ESPN is mostly to blame for this because it's the marketing. All they talk about all season long is who's in the college football playoff. And they didn't think that was going to make people put all their you know marbles in that, put all the eggs in that basket. Like all you see all season long, who's in college football playoff, college football playoff, college football playoff. And then like the day of the Sugar Bowl, they have Sugar Bowl ads all day, right? Rose Bowl ads all day and act like here we, oh, it's Rose Bowl Saturday when the Rose Bowl is not a playoff game. Oh, we're here at the granddaddy of them all. It's like, well, where were you talking about the Rose Bowl run all season? It used to be when you're watching a Big Ten game or a Pac-12 game, they're always talking about the Rose Bowl. It, it, this team wants to make a Rose Bowl run. And if they're super lucky, a playoff run. Now it's like you watch a Pac-12 game. Oh, this team already lost two games. Pac-12's out of the playoff. That's so terrible. The Pac-12's ruined, right? ACC, Clemson already has two losses. Is the ACC out of the playoff? Oh my gosh, it's panic time. The ACC might not get a team in the college football play- So what? can still send a team to the Orange Bowl. Oh, wait, that doesn't mean anything anymore because you only promote the playoff. So I think an eight-team playoff is by far the best solution because you could keep everything together as one, right? You could have the six bowl games be the playoff, right? So you take eight teams. Let's say you give... Let's pretend the Texas-Oklahoma thing hasn't happened yet and we're still dealing with a Big 12 that can claim to be a Power 5 team. And you say, hey, there's five automatic qualifying bids, which this is how it should be. The best 
conference champions from the from the Power Five, or you could just say highest ranked conference champions, which does give you the opportunity to let, like, let's say Cincinnati went undefeated and won the American this year, and the Big 12 or the ACC champion, like, they all had, like, three or four losses. Well, then that team gets the automatic bid, and the only way that, you know, three-loss ACC champ or whatever it is can get in is if they make one of these at-large spots, which there's no guarantee they would. But... It's going to be more likely that it's the five power conference automatic bids, regardless of record, regardless of what happens, which is okay. I don't have a problem with that because here's the other thing you have to accept. You can't argue for playoff expansion and then keep the lack of structure and have a committee doing their subjective rankings and put the teams in that way. No other sports league works that way. The only reason there was this exception for college football was because you had 100 plus teams and only two spots and then only four spots. But in any other in the NFL, it doesn't matter that the NFC East was a garbage division and the team that won it some years, even recently has had like a, an even record or a losing record. They get a home playoff game because that's what happens to division winners. The Bucks last year who were clearly better than the Washington football team had to go on the road to Washington in that first wild card team because Tampa didn't win their division and Washington did win their division even though Tampa division was way better you had New Orleans and Tampa in that division look at the AFC West this year the Chiefs are one and two they're still awesome and then you got the Raiders and the Chargers in there that look awesome and there's a chance for all three of them to make the playoff, but one of those teams is going to get shafted in the way they make the playoff and have to go on the road in a wild card. So you can't bring these expanded playoff structures into college football, but then say, well, I still just want to do this ranking thing where it's number one through number five. And if the SEC has three or four teams that are better, then they get higher ranks, higher seeds than then these, like, it just doesn't work that way. If you want to be a league, if there is a power five or a power four, whatever it is, they have to be treated equally on paper. And you can use resume and these things as tiebreakers, maybe, when teams are even. But at the end of the day, if you win your conference, you have to be treated like another team that won, won their conference. So it's a double-edged sword here. You can't have it both ways. And... This is the huge debate that they're having in that playoff room right now because the other conferences that aren't the SEC are way more open to expansion. But of course, they only want expansion with guaranteed bids for their champions. And then the SEC saying, well, if you want five, no, six, because here's the other thing. The group of five is saying, hey, we're not open to expansion unless there's some format where one of our teams also makes it. So now you're looking at six automatic bids. Well, six automatic bids with an eight-team field is really sketchy for the SEC because now they're pro the SEC sometimes can get two teams in the playoff with just four, the way the current format is. If we went to eight teams... And it was six automatic bids, the SEC most likely still only going to get two teams in because you only have two at-large spots. And it's very possible that, yes, one of them will be another SEC team, but probably there's a good Big Ten team that's only has one loss 
two that's going to get in. It's going it, it would still be very hard for the SEC or any conference to get three teams in. That's why the SEC is actually the leading charge of a 12-team. They're like, if we get six automatic bids, then we want six at-large spots because they're hoping they can go take at least two or three of those spots, maybe four in some crazy years, right? I ran down playoff scenarios like last month in a podcast where I talked about going back through all the, the recent years, how many years in a 12-team format, who would have made it, who wouldn't have, and, and what have you. So that, that that's really the issue here, right? And then... And here's the thing, Notre Dame goes undefeated, you go from six, now there's basically seven automatic spots, only one at large. So the SEC is not a fan of eight teams with automatic bids. They might be open to eight teams without automatic bids, but none of the other conferences are going to be open to expansion without automatic bids. And then you have this new problem with the, the Big 12, and I think this is the reason the delays are happening, because it looked like they settled on this new 12-team format. that It looked like that's kind of what everybody agreed upon, right? Well, now the Big 12, like I said, is not a Power 5 conference. And now the other conferences, right? You had the Alliance. We talked about it, right? The ACC, Big 10, Pac-12, and this new SEC that's going to add Oklahoma and Texas. They're like, wait, 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 wait. We don't want six automatic bids anymore because there is no more Power 5. My guess is they want to pull it back to five automatic bids because in their mind, that's the same as it was before. Hey, the power four get automatic bids and one good group of six school gets in. But the big 12 is sitting there like, what are you talking about? We're still the big 12. Nothing's changed here because they're in denial and that's causing all these problems. But like I said, I think eight is the best because eight allows you to, and, I, and my version of eight would be with the new Big 12 would basically be there's only four automatic conference championship bids. Or maybe you could say the best five. That would be my limit. The best five conference champions, whoever that is. So most years that's going to be an ACC, a Big 10, a Pac-12, and an SEC team. But... There could be years where, hey, the, the American team is undefeated and looks really good, right? Or you have a Boise State year, a UCF year, like maybe what Cincinnati's trying to do this year. And the Pac-12 really beat up on, on each other. Their champion has three or four losses or something crazy. So they actually don't end up with the automatic bid and probably not even an at-large. I'd be okay with that format, right? So you have five automatic bids, the five highest-ranked conference champions, and then you get three at-larges. Yeah, when Notre Dame is undefeated, that's scary because now you basically only have two at-larges. But I think that would be fair. And then you would use the New Year's Six Bowl games as those playoff games. So on January 1st, you have four bowl games. That's your first round. Two of the games would be the semifinals like we have it now, right? The Ro Let's say the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are the semifinals this year. So on January 1st, you would play the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. The winners go on to play a week later in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and then a, the championship a week later. That would be the best format because now those New Year's Six Bowl games that all the people want to matter, they absolutely matter a ton. You get to have four of them all on one day, like the old school college football days where January 1st was like the biggest day in college football. Basically, all of the big bowl games were played on that day. We would basically have that. 
And then you, a week later, you would get the semifinal day, which would still be epic, even though it'd be a week later. And then of course you have your national championship game. That would be phenomenal. My biggest problem with the 12 team format thing they suggested was they kind of had that format. They were going to use those bowl games, which I liked, but they were going to have on campus home games, give a first round bye. Look, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of anybody for on campus non-conference home games, but I want to see them in the regular season, right? Do away with kickoff games, stop scheduling FCS teams. Let's see more of the Texas Arkansas. Let's see more of those types of games, right? Let's see those and have these epic regular seasons and then have these postseasons at these bowl game locations. That's what I want to see. And I think a lot of people can get behind that. The problem is, is there's too much argument. Like I said, the SEC is not going to allow, well, let me back up. The group of five and the big 12 are not going to stand, the the big 12 is not going to stand for not being one of these automatic bids. They're in denial. They're still a power conference. Their champion should get some automatic bid to this new playoff. Okay. I don't agree with them, but that's how they're going to see it, right? The group of five schools, which to me, it's really a group of six, big 12 should be in there. But as it stands now, the group of five schools are all banding together and say, hey, one of our teams is going to this postseason every year, or we're not on board. Okay, so there's your second problem. Well, then the SEC comes in and says, hey, if you're basically going to demand six teams get automatic bids, we're not on board unless we go to 12 teams total, and I get six at-larges. Well, then you have the complications with scheduling and the academic calendar and the potential for some student athletes to play 17 games. That's basically an NFL schedule. And they're student athletes, so it presents all those problems, right? Now you can't use the bowl games the way that you would want to. And speaking of bowl games, the Rose Bowl's coming in here and saying, hey, we want to be a part of the playoff, but we want to play on New Year's Day every year at our time slot. We're not willing to be a semifinal on some years and then have that be a week later. So that's a problem. And when it comes to the Rose Bowl, I think the playoff committee just say, screw you, Rose Bowl. If you want to be a part of the new playoff structure, you have to be on board for this thing where three out of four years, you are going to play on New Year's Day. You can't have your time slot. But if you want to be a semifinal game ever, you're going to play a week later and lose that time slot. Get over it. Or, Rose Bowl, you can just not be a part of the playoff at all. And see how good your Rose Bowl does when every year from now to the end of time, it has nothing to do with the college football playoff. You can have like the third best Big Ten team play the third best Pac-12 team. Keep your tradition. Keep your Rose Bowl. I would hate to see that. I love the Rose Bowl. I want it to be a part of this playoff. But the Rose Bowl just needs to get over themselves. The days of... It's New Year's Day and the Big Ten champions playing the Pac-12 champion and I'm Keith Jackson calling the game. Like those days are over. I, I love those days too. I rewatch old Rose Bowls all the time. But we're in a new era. And the Oklahoma-Georgia game was awesome from 2017. Let's get more of that. Rose Bowl, get over yourself, okay? Like I don't know. So they're complicating it too. And the whole thing's complicated and... The one thing they don't want to do is make some mistake like they did last time where they ended up making part of the season irrelevant. They made the other bowl games relevant. Another thing you can't do is have playoff games come before bowl games. 
you're going to destroy the Bulls even more. Some people have suggested, like, we have the first round on campus right after the conference championship games. The winners go to, like, the Final Four, and then the losers go play in the other New Year's Six games. Guys, that's insane. Think about the opt-outs you would have. Like, we already have players opting out and people and fans not taking these other New Year's Six Bowls as seriously. Imagine playing in a Sugar Bowl after playing in a, a playoff game. So you're going to play in a conference championship game, an on-campus playoff game and then go to a sugar bowl you're not going to give a damn about that sugar bowl anymore even more than we already have that problem so there's a lot of issues with arguments and it's going to be very hard to get everybody on board and that's why and i haven't even talked about the tv contract issue right the other issue is this whole tv contract thing that's a huge problem going forward because people want to see it go to the open market ESPN obviously wants to control it all. ESPN has the rights through like 2026. So ESPN is going to have to agree to the new thing and probably pay more money if it's going to happen before 2026. So honestly, I would bet this thing is not happening in 20... The earliest it could ever expand is 2023. And we're getting close to that window of it's probably not going to happen in 2023. So I think it's going to be a while. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I would rather them get it right whenever they decide to go this route, then rush something now and be stuck in something that's not good. Because guys, I'm telling you, long-term, I don't have faith in the Big 12 to stay relevant. I've talked about this. Yes, maybe for a couple years there, because some of these teams are hot right now, they come in, but you zoom out five years or 10 years as recruiting changes. The Big 12 is not going to be able to recruit the same type of players. The Texas Techs and the Oklahoma States recruit good players because those players want to play in those big games against Texas and Oklahoma. When Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC, the SEC is going to dominate recruiting even more than they already are. And if you can't play SEC, you're at least going to want to be Big 10 ACC, or maybe go play at USC if, if they turn around with a new coach, right? So I think the Big 12 is in big trouble. And I think the SEC and the Alliance, they see that and they're like, we don't want to be in a playoff where we have to let the group of five in and the Big 12, who's basically another group of five. Like, that's not good. You really want like a Texas Tech maybe one year or a Houston and another group of five school to take spots from an 11-1 SEC team from a Florida, from a Penn State, from maybe a USC that finishes second in the Pac-12. You're like, no, they don't want that. They do not want that, especially because Notre Dame's sitting out there as an independent that's going to have its undefeated years where they basically get an automatic bid because of that. So people are scratching their heads right now, and it's going to be really interesting. But like I said, for now... I'm okay. Let's keep it at four, right? Especially if we start to have the season that I talked about, you know, in the beginning of this show, where if this season gets crazy, maybe we start to see some new teams get into that four-team playoff. I think the only reason people have this big problem with the four-team and want the expansion is because we've seen Alabama and Clemson play five times. We've seen Ohio State continue to get in, right? Notre Dame has been in now twice. and get, Like, that's what people are tired of, which is nobody's fault, really. It's just kind of the way things landed. But if we see Alabama come slightly back to reality, if we see a Penn State make a playoff, if we see somebody win the national championship that isn't Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson, I think you're going to start to see the landscape change. 
and then it won't matter as much if it expands or not, right? So there's so much writing on this season. It's crazy, right? Because Alabama and Clemson meet in the title again, which can't happen because of Clemson, but Alabama goes and wins the title again. SEC gets two teams in. Group of five team gets shafted again. Everybody's angry, and we're going to try to rush this thing even more, and then there's going to be more pressure, and then they're just going to agree to something that long-term probably isn't that good. And that that's what I don't want to happen. So everybody relax. Let's enjoy this season. Let's just hope that whatever happens, they get it right, and they are looking long-term at something that makes the most sense, something that we can settle as this is the future of college football. This is the structure we're going to have for years to come, not okay, we go to eight, five years, six years later, we go to 12, it just keeps moving. Oh, no, we're going. like we don't need all this movement. Let's keep something the same and let it ride out. All right, anyway, that's all I have for today. Like I said, email me at letstalkcollegefootball.gmail.com. Follow the new Instagram page, College Football Classics. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Leave five-star reviews on iTunes or Spotify. Those really, really help with the rankings and stuff. And yeah, appreciate everyone for listening. And I will see you all on Monday.